Hello and welcome to Court Games, a podcast for the Legend of the Five Rings community, funded by the Legend of the Five Rings Discord Patreon. This podcast will focus on the role-playing games, stories, and lore for Legend of the Five Rings. I'm Kova! And I am Kikita Kaori, and it is time for a new mm, book. It's, it is finally in your hands, <laughs> it's not in my hands. It is not in my country, actually. Oh. At the moment, as of this recording, it might be by the time you get, get to listen to it. But there's, there's certainly have been some problems with shipping to England for some reason for a lot of things. Uh, maybe the channel's particularly choppy. <laughs> that that could be. There certainly hasn't been any new stories, which has been a bit of a gripe. Yeah, the 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 kind of indication is that there might be a whole lump happening at once, but they're kind of holding it back until they got it all or something. But we'll see. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's a really good decision because it just leaves us all being annoyed by the end just, of it and you start losing players. Now. But then again, it doesn't matter <laughs> that much because we're role players and we make our own stories. So I'm sure it will be fine. That's true. And we do have, I finally have Courts of Stone. So I thought maybe I'd go through and tell people a little bit about what's in there. Maybe what I think about it. If you can put up with that. <laughs> All right. Um, so the first part of Courts of Stone is all about castles, which I thought was a really strange choice because a whole bunch of Emerald Empire is also about castle. Um, there's a big section on the architecture, about five or six pages, and it is almost complete duplicate of what is in Courts of Stone. So now you know definitely everything to do with architecture of castles. Um there is a variety of castles. There's a couple of crane castles, Kudendoji and Sevenfold Palace. And there, there's some more in Crane Lands as well. Um, but there's also castles for the crab and the dragon and the phoenix and uh, the lion. So there are, uh, and, and not the scorpion um, and not the unicorn, but there's more castles. Yeah, there's there's some options. I'm not sure if having all this material on castles is that helpful because I don't know how often your players are wandering all around other castles. Yeah, it's one of those things, though. You don't know which one. I mean, when you write the supplement, you don't know which castle they're going to be wandering around, so you need to have a solution for them to choose from. But yes. They do have some... I like the, the one section I did like was the little supernatural aspects about the various castles so that was fun and then there's a section on court life and a section on shinobi and both of those are mostly uh lore and fluff there's no mechanics in those sections and lots of being courtly or sneaking around depending i didn't see much that seemed new to me i mean it's one of the things we're, we're fairly experienced elf of our players so Maybe it's about what needs to be new for that's that's a harder thing to to kind of tell sometimes. Right. If you are really interested in Shinobi in particular, uh, you need to pick up the Scorpion novel, the the fifth edition Scorpion novel, because that has a lot of new material on Shinobi um, that I think is stronger than the material here. Next section is a section on the Crane Clan, and it has some fine lore. Uh, they they have a little bit of a different take on some of the some of the stories. They definitely play up the Kakita as bad boys. Yeah, I'm, I, um, 
Han Solo is, is an analogy used. Oh, okay. Uh, I presume they mean more the the <laughs> duelists rather than the artisans. They oh, don't okay. make any distinction really between Kikita as artisans or Kikita as duelists. So if they are, they do talk about the duelists more. They don't really refer to the artisans much, but they talk about them very much as being extremely independent and doing their own thing. So they are there to be flashy and cause strife. They do talk about them as being the assassins of the Crane Clan. Well, yeah, the 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 dual bully, I think, is is a is a very common stereotype. And 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 it's not it, instead of the sneaky sneaky sneak stab, it's the oh you have insulted my honor. We must duel. And conveniently, I'm better than you. Oh, dear, you've died. Kind of assassin. So they, they do it kind of more... The actual killing is up front, but not necessarily the reason for it. I'm wondering if that's taking inspiration from the Batosai, if you look at like Rurori Kenjen and the very end days of the Shogunate, you did get a lot of these very flashy guys with their very flashy swords swaggering about and on occasion doing that kind of stuff. So I wonder if that's where the... That's a very interesting take. That's, that's, that's kind of new. So it's a little different. I had taken the Kikita before often as acting as in a Rokugani court system as your lawyer. Um, they could get you off or they could condemn you and uh, you hope you get a good one. Uh, the There is a section on the Asahina. They do have a interesting new backstory for the... Well, they have a less than interesting new backstory. They have uh, in that... I found it a little troublesome. They have uh, Kiriko, Doji Kiriko, who's the person who, in in the Asahina backstory, Asahina, uh, Asawa Asahina is a fire shigenja who's very, very mad at the crane for stopping a war. And he goes around burninating crane villages. And he is stopped by Doji Kiriko, who makes him feel very guilty for burninating the villages. And he gives up his life, you know, joins the crane to seek redemption. Yeah, and in the old law, she stood up to him, like, physically, and he, you know, attacked her with, with his fire magic, and she just kind of took it. I'm not going to let you keep doing this. And he is like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, she threw herself in between his fires and the village. Basically. And, and he was like, oh, goodness me, what have I done? This is terrible. I need to stop burninating. Right. Uh, in this version of the story, he continues burninating the village. She does not stop him, but she looks very uh, sad and is very grief-stricken that he has done so, and then he feels guilty that he made her right. sad. Okay. That's a strategy. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, it was... Talked about by the writer of this section, uh, who is Spooky Denton, on his podcast. And he said that it was a directive from higher up or something. He does not know why it was changed, though he is the one who wrote the new version. So, um... Clearly, she was an ancestor of Doji Hotaru, whose main superpower is looking sad. <laughs> that could be. Um... I really liked the extra detail they had on Daidoji in the crane section. Uh, they talked, instead of just the tattoos on their wrist, they 
often tattoo up their arms. They have some that swear oaths to silence to follow their founder in their dedication. Uh, yes, because he's either the guy who came back from the Shadowlands and was a bit, like, broken. Right. No, he had his throat. He came back, and when he returned from the Shadowlands after retrieving the Crane Sword, he had his throat cut and could no longer speak. And he also had the white hair. If you, that's where that comes from. Right. Okay. Okay. But they did have the Daidoji do serve on the wall. Uh, yes. Not all of them, but the Iron Crane do serve on the wall with the crab. Uh, for at least a year. So that's that's a cool part of the story to have back. And we're yes. going to do another episode on Crane lore because that's coming. But Yeah, well, they, they love it. So so they come back hardened, having you know, been amongst, you know, amongst the monstrosities and, and the hideous awfulness. <laughs> and also the Shadowlands monsters. Yes, but they always use spears yeah, on the wall. So they, they're not using Tetsubos on the wall. They're using no. spears in honor of their founder. Because you want, you want the Shadowlands monsters far away. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good good reason too. Um, let's see. And then there's the Deer Clan, and there's quite a bit on the Deer Clan. There's more on the Deer Clan than there was on the Falcon Clan in the previous book. Um, they are a bit problematic for me. I I am not keen on the Deer Clan. I have uh, mostly because they managed to take the unique, coolest things from many of the other clans, almost all of them. And make them part of the Deer Clan. And I don't like that. I like clans can do their own thing and it's not... Okay, I'll use the word... It's very Mary Sue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I get, obviously, I'm, obviously, I'm only getting this second hand or third hand and all that kind of stuff. But, yeah. Uh, there seem to be some interesting things. Because I understand that part of what they do is they they kind of interact with the new bond mechanics which i'm sure we're going to get onto yes it seems like they were mostly created and added to this book because they use their ability to foresee the future to figure out what bonds they can create between two different people in the empire in order to influence the empire in one way or another. So they can do this ritual and they can do it instantaneously that looks at a person, determines what links they could have to another person, even if they don't originally know who that other person is and what the consequences of linking this person to that person would be. Therefore they could take that and affect the future. Um, that's what the matchmakers do. And then there are the spear dancers. And the spear dancers are speary Yojimbo warriors who do ninja stuff. Um, so, but basically you have the deer clan rescuing the crab from bandit patrols. And you have the deer clan making fine treaties between the clans. And you have the Deer Clan having counter ninjas to fight scorpion ninjas. And they freely show their emotions among themselves and marry only for love among themselves. But they don't do that for the rest of the clans because, you know, the rest of the clans could, you know, have to be arranged according to their bonds. And I think that they are great, actually, for an all Deer Clan campaign because the the PCs can do all of those things. Those are wonderful things for PCs to do. 
It's just when they and and then you can have every other clan be the antagonists to the Deer Clan, right? And uh, it, it can make a great Alt Deer Clan campaign. I am not so sure about incorporating a Deer Clan as a PC in your campaign unless you are content to have the Deer Clan say, you know, having lots of um, Deer Clan-y future knowledge uh, in your campaign that involves them then being a very much a, a jack of all trades and, and able to get involved with everything, which is is not the way that I generally see parties, but some people can. All right, and there are new schools. We talked a lot about the new schools uh, in our last podcast, so we'll go over those. I think my favorite was the Tagashi Chronicler. Um, I think the Tagashi need another aspect um, that fits them into the Empire um, more than sitting and waiting for occasional days of thunder. Yeah, you got to, you got to, you got to, you know, you got to have something to do when your <laughs> when your clan champion isn't saying, "No, the prophecy is nigh." <laughs> We're going south. Why? I don't know. We just am. Um... No, I really like that, especially with uh, the Deer Clan manipulating the future of the Empire. Sorry. Anyway, um, there are some new advantages and disadvantages. Uh, I think potster is everybody's favorite. That means you just like making trouble for other people. Yep. Um, made them fight. I like my favorite is the anxiety web of lies, which means that you have created so many lies bedded inside lies that you gain strife whenever you lie to somebody who you've already lied to before. Yeah. I'm in this picture and I don't like it. Uh, <laughs> I, I know what that's like uh, when you kind of yes, my homework is it's really it's it's right at any moment now. I'll be ready. Totally. I just need to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a whole bunch of items. There's some for courtiers. Like you can finally get a fan, which was a sort of an essential item that was missing from the other other uh, the original book um but they're mostly for ninja so there's lots of ninja items and there's lots of nin- ninjutsu techniques there's nine ninjutsu techniques there are only four before yeah now ninja could do all sorts of things um there's only two kata but they're very good ones they are both for pole arms i like pole pole vault uh, yes, you can technically pole vault while riding on your horse over the wall of the castle i'm Almost um, certain that the horse doesn't come with you, but never mind. <laughs> it doesn't say, um, but I do like I do like that. It's a way to uh, go close from range three to four to range yep. two, which includes going over to the wall. Um, and there's some rituals, a formal tea ceremony, which is like the super awesome tea ceremony that needs the special tea set, um, and treaty signing, and ties that bind. That's the ritual that... Deer Clan can do it once, but other clans can do with a long ritual that shows you the bonds between people. But only Deer Clan really, or like lots and lots of opportunities, mm. give you any glimpse of the future. Gotcha. Let's see. And there's a variety of shuji. Uh, there's the most fire shuji because apparently fire is the supervillain shuji. <sighs> they have shuji called All Shall Fear Me and Cackling Laughter. Offend nice. the spen- sensibilities and spiteful loss. And all of them, you know, most of them end up 
dumping strife on everybody else because you are just so over the top. <laughs> Call him <Super> monologuing. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, so then there is a section on running the court and running Shinobi game. And in particular, we'll, we'll talk about more about this section because I think it needs to be explored. Yeah. So maybe in discussion, we'll talk about that. Uh, it does talk about the pitfalls of playing Shinobi, which is if you have a Shinobi in your party, um, there's this problem because the Shinobi just goes off and does things yes. for a while. Yes, it's just kind of, and everyone goes to sleep, and the Shinobi player goes, but not. And they either, well, they monopolize the GM's time for a, a, a bit while everyone else just kind of sits back and watches. Or sometimes <laughs> they even just like, now we go into the other room so no one else knows what's happening. And then everyone else just kind of gets nothing to do. And that's, an, that's a thing. And it's not just with Shinobi. It happens in a lot of a lot of games for a lot of people. But yeah, it's a thing. So they talk about it a little. Mostly they seem to resolve it by letting the Shinobi shortcut all of their preparation. Mm. So you can just go in and do it. And if you uh, want, you can then say, I did happen to have this thing. Mm. I, I, I just happened to have the the fate letter that I need to plant on this person. Right. Yeah. Or I did happen to remember to poison the guards before I came here. Yeah. So yeah. so you can have done all of the tasks kind of off out of off scene. So it's all so it's all done quickly. Um there's uh nine new titles of a variety of types, including Kinshinzen, which are always popular. Everyone likes the Kinshinzen players. Well, everyone except the everyone loves them except people who aren't crane. Well, you know, um, <laughs> and there's a discussion about courtesy, just like there was on courage in the other book. Uh, they they note, and I'm I'm with this that courtesy is something that comes out of compassion because you are trying to navigate through this world where everybody is terribly armed and terribly dangerous and terribly prickly about their honor. And courtesy makes it so that everybody knows what the rules of engagement are, the rules of discussion, and, and is very considerate about everything so it doesn't all end in bloodshed and you know, stress. Yeah, it usually, usually ends up that way anyway, but yeah, you try your best. I've seen samurai movies. They always end up in bloodshed. Well, yes, but uh, they they do talk about how courtesy could be misused. Mm. But uh, So I guess every virtue could be misused if they wanted to. Oh, yeah. I mean, courtesy can definitely be used as a weapon if you so choose. And then there is a section on the new bonds mechanic, and that is quite a large piece um, I like it. It has, you can set up bonds between family, comrades, lovers, rivals, and nemesis. When you buy one for three XP, it grants you a special ability related to that style. And you can get um, up to rank five in a bond. And each of them gives you special abilities related to the person you are bonded to. For example, you could use their skills or have their assist even if they're not there you could have their assist just from the memory of being with that person on on a skill role uh, if you draw upon the bond and you can draw upon the bond 
the a number of times in a game session equal to your rank in the bond. Mm, okay. So that's that's the book. And um, well, I mean, as a, as a general review before we move on, do you think this is a book that most players should get? Do you think this is a book that most GMs should get? I think this is a book that most players should get. I think it's much and I think it's much more valuable to all players than uh, um, Shadowlands was. It okay. has it's it's got much more material that's applicable for every every clan. Unicorn definitely got shortchanged by far this book. Yeah, they don't get a they they, they they don't get a school at all, do they? They don't get a school. They don't get a castle. And they don't get any description of any of their particular take on courts or anything like that. So so if you are a diehard unicorn player who doesn't want to know the court stuff, you might pass it. But the bond stuff is good enough for every player, for sure. So I would say it was true for every player and therefore GMs. It's much more applicable than um, Shadowlands was. Alright, so given that a big focus of Quarterstone is setting up a court game and, or a court session, and that's a thing that I find we often have discussions on the Discord about that, that that's kind of a difficult thing for a lot of people to get their heads around. Much more than the standard, oh, look, there are some bandits, go fight the bandits. That People can tend to get that. Or the murder mystery is the other one. So, you know, fights and, and mysteries, I think people get are quite uh, good at that, working out what to do with that. But how do you set up a court session? And I think that's a, a thing that a lot of people really do need some information on. All right. I did not find the um, setting up a court directions in the book very thorough but they did have them so i thought maybe we'd uh talk about what they had and then talk about how to do things to make it a little easier on yourself so what they talk about in courts of stone is assembling a court by movers and secondaries and a mover are npcs with very strong agendas who will act Unless the PCs stop them is the way that they generally phrase it. And so these are big plotter characters. And you develop out these characters. Uh, it recommends three or four movers set up with intrinsic conflicts between them. And then secondaries are additional NPCs for the court with Giri and Nino. And you fill out all the traits for all these guys and all the bonds and all the details there is a section at the end on how to have your players help flesh out all these characters without them actually knowing what they're setting up. Just to okay. save you time. <laughs> and um, then a miracle occurs and you dump the PCs in the middle of this toxic stew of personality. <laughs> and that's how you get a game. Right. So... I have um, a little problem with that in that, one, I'm not entirely sure how the miracle occurs, but also it doesn't give much guidance as to how to select the movers you want. So one suggestion I have is that you can take every court and split it out to roles. 
And by this, I use the model of the empire itself. Um, you can ha every court needs a boss, like the emperor or the daimyo. Yep. Uh, the boss is in charge. Often, the boss is somebody who you schlubs on the bottom of the court don't get to talk to regularly. You can't just wander up to the daimyo and say, "Hey, daimyo." I need a favor because if the PCs can talk to the daimyo easily, all your problems are solved because the yeah. daimyo can just fix everything. Um, then you can pick someone, a personality to be the left hand, which is would be the person who would be in charge of or interested in or otherwise controlling the peaceful aspects of the uh, court. They might right. be interested in the art shows. They might be interested in doing the public works. But all things to do with waging peace and courtly life. It's it's a crane analogy, but within this setting of the court. And then you have a right hand who's in charge of all the martial stuff. Uh, the deployment of troops or you know just the deployment of some guards. Could be anything to do that's outside the the court uh, that's that's more military. Yeah. Uh, so then you have this this intrinsic conflict made between the personality you stick in the left hand position and the personality you stick in the right hand position, and then you you can flesh that out more with additional roles for an underhand. He's the person in charge of doing sneaky stuff um, that would have conflict even just from his position with the other two. Yeah. yeah. Um, we have a herald that would be the person who does sending messages uh, and communicating, especially communicating outside the court. A spiritual advisor position for the court. That would be like the phoenix. Um, basically somebody who's in care of all spiritual stuff. And center would be a person who's in charge of just the household. Managing this particular court. This acting in the liaison for the boss. So if you have people in each of these positions, just like the Empire, then you have a full suite of NPCs to work with that are your movers who are conflicted even just by their role just like the clans are. And then you can add in to the stew, you know, personality conflicts. Um, so that's the first step is you make all of these um, people. That's what I'd recommend. The next step, they don't address with more than a throwaway line, but I think it's important, is you have to help your PCs determine what they want from the court. Um, you you have to have the group as a whole determine what they want, or the PCs themselves should have one or more goals for things that they want from the court. And often if you put people in, if you assemble your court by role, then the PCs know sort of where to go to <laughs> to get their help, or they can figure out pretty fast to get the help they need. And then they are coming to the movers saying, I need this and then the movers can say well i need this and then yeah. now you're now your pcs are into the uh toxic stew rather than yeah. the movers coming straight to the pcs saying you're a strange face who has showed up in my court therefore i can use you yeah 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 i need you to do this thing or i need you to do this other thing i have i have these rats in my basement no wait sorry that's the different uh yeah I'm not quite sure what the court equivalent of ten rats in, kill ten rats in my basement. And I think it's ta take this message over to this guy over here because I'm not talking to him. Um, a, a common thing that your PCs might desire is access to the boss because the boss can do big things. Like in uh, win uh, Imperial Winter Court, it might be I want an audience with the Emperor. 
that's a big ask, but it's something that the PCs could want. And so in smaller courts, it's access to the daimyo, but access to the boss is something that I think that you should limit in your courts and then make that something that the PCs end up having to get involved with the various movers of the court in order to win. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking that might be something that, that gets uh, changed by status. As you go up status rank, it's like if you want to get someone three ranks ahead of you, that's going to be a, dif- a different thing to getting access to someone who's one rank, you know. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so yes, how much it costs, how difficult it is, is certainly going to um, be involved with it. Access to another court might be another something you can earn. So you want to go to Winter Court this year and you're schmoozing in the local court for a little bit during the summer, but in the end you want to go to Winter Court next year. That might be something you can want to get. Another common thing, actually, is we know who did the crime, but the person who did the crime is less status than us, but lower status than the daimyo or lower status than the reigning Emerald Magistrate. We need to get them to believe us and not the other guy. And that's, that's, that can be a thing. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Or we know who the bad guy is, but they have an inconvenient army between us and them. So I need... I need the right hand of this lord to, to make sure I get some, you know, send some troops to go clear out that village because the three of us can't kill, you know, clear out a village of a hundred zombified um, villagers or whatever. It could also be actually what might be interesting is that because normally we, we expect the adventurers to come and stand around and then someone say, here, have this, have this task to do. Or there's like a, a notice board saying, here are some tasks to do. But actually, because you want glory, glory is a thing you want. It's a currency. In the, it may well be that you can't just be told, go and fight those bats. You may actually have to go, hey, fighting those bandits, that's going to be worth some glory points. I want to <laughs> do that. And then you actually have to right. get someone to send you on that mission before you even get to the bandit stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. Or maybe you were trying to get a petition or you're getting something for your home who you have all your uh, giri or ninja mm. for. You're trying to get sh- – there's, there's all kinds of things a court has access to. If you put, in, put people in these roles, then you can have an idea for what, who, who, who could get what. And then you have your PCs going to the movers yeah. rather than the other way around, which I, th- I, I like better. And I think it makes a stronger um, court game yeah, more active than having the movers uh, come to the PCs and say, ah, I see your PC tag. Yes. Um, all right. You, you look like a and, and that's you when a, you have a quest. The movers say, "Okay, you have come to me asking me for this, but I can't do this because I'm in a conflict with this guy mm. over here, and I want you to do this to over there." Yeah. And then, and now, and now you're fully in the game. And potentially, of course, the players, especially with the new shuji that are out there. Well, n- not new to this book, but it's a new thing in. There's the Piperings first edition, so I'm still getting used to uh, fifth edition, so I'm still getting used to it. But you start even bef- even before that, you start looking around and see, okay, what are the currents in the court? Who hates who? Who's got what agenda? And so active players mm-hmm. can start saying, instead of I'm going to go up to this person and ask what they want, I'm going to go up to this person and say, well, I think I can see what your problem is. Let me help you with that, and then you can help me. Again, more active players. Exactly. More active players is is a benefit, and they did not really push 
that the, it, it this book very much focused on setting up all these NPCs mm. who have all these agendas. And, and I think it needs to have the focus shift yep. to the players setting the agenda. Um, one way that you can use, it is hard to measure who has what powers and what abilities and how much, how far the PCs have gotten in a court yep. game because you're doing all these things and there's no measure outside of a scene of how much the PCs have managed to accumulate for yeah. their side, as it were. You know, how many favors is it going to take doing for this one mover in order for them to give it, give yeah. you the thing? Um, we have momentum, but momentum is designed for little scenes, like um, one specific task that the PCs Yeah, once, do. once you've succeeded that task and you've got your momentum points, the momentum points are now done with. And they don't help you with the next thing. Right. So if you want, uh, you can make a new currency kind of, that's the best way I, I have of yeah. calling it, uh, that's influence that says, okay, these people are becoming more and more players in the mm. court as they uh, win competitions and earn glory and otherwise, you know, come out as outstanding representatives of this particular court. Um they do yeah. stuff and that if you give influence points towards that doing stuff, then they can spend that influence. Like I yeah, said, yeah. it's a currency to get things done. So I'm going to use a little of this good cred I've earned to prop up this poor guy here who looks like he's having a bad day. Yeah, it's it's a it's a more mechanical way to do that. Uh, I have a website that has some of this out there. If you go to craneclan.weebly.com uh, and look under the RPG tools, there's something called the Influence Game that talks about using influence as a currency in these courts. It also talks a little bit about setting up uh, positions by roles. There is nothing in doing that that's contradictory to how the courts work for uh, fifth edition it's it's a, just a way to help make your players more active um in in them instead of being the recipient of quests that sounds really cool and we'll have that link in our show notes for people who want to check that out yeah before we move on to other things uh, about, while well, we're still talking about courts, I think, and this may seem like a bit of a strange recommendation, the best supplement I have ever seen for a court, as it were, is actually the quite old now Vampire the Masquerade supplement, Chicago by Night, because Ooh. that actually had the you know the court system in or. The, in vampire was actually a very important part of it. There was a court structure. There were po there was mm -hmm. politics. That was a big thing, and so Chicago by Night actually lays out pretty much every vampire in Chicago and their agendas and who they like, who they dislike, who who they don't work with. And I've often felt that was pretty much the gold standard in terms of setting up a a court setting in that. The, the makers and the movers and the shakers, then you can start to see exactly how the players might fit into that and what they might um, break <laughs> as players that often do. That sounds like a great, that, great recommendation. Yeah, that. I mean, it's you know, it's not a list of the five ring supplement, but it's a vampire supplement. But 
Uh, I believe, I'm pretty sure they're available on DriveThruRPG, and it might be worth a check if you happen to be able to get access to it. We wanted to remind everybody that this podcast is uh, available and we would love to have your reviews. We'd like to be rated. We'd like other people to be able to listen to this content. Yeah, any every, any rating and any review that we get, it actually really helps the various algorithms that are used to promote podcasts to people. So it really does help us get the word out. Uh, you can also find us, if you're looking for us, at Court Games Pod on Twitter. We have have certain discussions going on there and of course you can find our patreon at patreon.com forward slash court games and that'll give you access to certain nifty things on our discord yep we definitely recommend that you can be a part of various drawings that we have cool stuff sometimes even cool rpg stuff and it also goes towards keeping the the podcast lights on (laughs) and and it a link to our Discord is also going to be found in the show notes. Anyway, that's it for us this week. My name's Kita Kaori. May the fortunes favor you. And until we meet again, keep your jade handy. <laughs>